Section six of the History of Mary Prince by Mary Prince. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Supplement to the History of Mary Prince, Part two. Let us now endeavour to estimate the validity of the excuses assigned and the allegations advanced by him for the information of Governor Sir Patrick Ross in this deliberate statement of his case. One to allow the woman to return home free would he affirms be to reward the worst species of ingratitude he assumes it seems the sovereign power of pronouncing a virtual sentence of banishment for the alleged crime of ingratitude is this then a power which any man ought to possess over his fellow-mortal or which any good man would ever wish to exercise and besides there is no evidence whatever beyond mr wood's mere assertion that mary prince owed him or his family the slightest mark of gratitude her account of the treatment she received in his service may be incorrect but her simple statement is at least supported by minute and feasible details and unless rebutted by positive facts will certainly command credence from impartial minds more readily than his angry accusation which has something absurd and improbable in its very front moreover is it not absurd to term the assertion of her natural rights by a slave even supposing her to have been kindly dealt with by her owners and treated in every respect the reverse of what mary affirms to have been her treatment by mr wood and his wife the worst species of ingratitude this may be west indian ethics but it will scarcely be received as sound doctrine in europe two to permit her return would be to subject himself to insult whenever she came in his way this is a most extraordinary assertion are the laws of antigua then so favourable to the free blacks or the colonial police so feebly administered that there are no sufficient restraints to protect a rich colonist like mr wood a man who counts among his familiar friends the honourable mr byam and mr taylor the government secretary from being insulted by a poor negro woman it is preposterous three her moral character is so bad that she would prove very troublesome should she come to the colony without any restraint any restraint are there no restraints supposing them necessary short of absolute slavery to keep troublesome characters in order but this i suppose is the argumentum ad gubernatorum to frighten the governor she is such a termagant it seems that if she once gets back to the colony free she will not only make it too hot for poor mr wood but the police and courts of justice will scarce be a match for her sir patrick ross no doubt will take care how he intercedes farther for so formidable a virago how can one treat such arguments seriously four she is not a native of the colony and he knows of no relation she has there true but was it not her home so far as a slave can have a home for thirteen or fourteen years were not the connections friendships and associations of her mature life formed there was it not there she hoped to spend her latter years in domestic tranquillity with her husband free from the lash of the taskmaster 
these considerations may appear light to mr wood but they are everything to this poor woman five he induced her he says to take a husband a short time before she left antigua and gave them a comfortable house in his yard etc etc this paragraph merits attention he induced her to take a husband if the fact were true what brutality of mind and manners does it not indicate among these slaveholders they refuse to legalize the marriages of their slaves but induce them to form such temporary connections as may suit the owner's conveniency just as they would pair the lower animals and this man has the effrontery to tell us so mary however tells a very different story see page seventeen and her assertion independently of other proof is at least as credible as mr wood's the reader will judge for himself as to the preponderance of internal evidence in the conflicting statements six he alleges that she was before marriage licentious and even depraved in her conduct and unfaithful to her husband afterwards these are serious charges but if true or even partially true how comes it that a person so correct in his family hours and arrangements as mr wood professes to be and who expresses so edifying a horror of licentiousness could reconcile it to his conscience to keep in the bosom of his family so depraved as well as so troublesome a character for at least thirteen years and to confide to her for long periods too the charge of his house and the care of his children for such i shall show to have been the facts how can he account for not having rid himself with all speed of so disreputable an inmate he who values her loss so little in a pecuniary point of view how can he account for having sold five other slaves in that period and yet have retained this shocking woman nay even have refused to sell her on more than one occasion when offered her full value it could not be from ignorance of her character for the circumstance which he adduces as a proof of her shameless depravity and which i have omitted on account of its indecency occurred it would appear not less than ten years ago yet notwithstanding her alleged ill qualities and habits of gross immorality he has not only constantly refused to part with her but after thirteen long years brings her to england as an attendant on his wife and children with the avowed intention of carrying her back along with his maiden daughter a young lady returning from school such are the extraordinary facts and until mr wood shall reconcile these singular inconsistencies between his actions and his allegations he must not be surprised if we in england prefer giving credit to the former rather than the latter although at present it appears somewhat difficult to say which side of the alternative is the more creditable to his own character seven her husband he says has taken another wife so that on that score he adds he does her no injury supposing this fact to be true which i doubt as i doubt every mere assertion from so questionable a quarter i shall take leave to put a question or two to mr wood's conscience did he not write from england to his friend mr darrell soon after mary left his house 
directing him to turn her husband daniel james off his premises on account of her offence telling him to inform james at the same time that his wife had taken up with another man who had robbed her of all she had a calumny as groundless as it was cruel i further ask if the person who invented this story whoever he may be was not likely enough to impose similar fabrications on the poor negro man's credulity until he may have been induced to prove false to his marriage vows and to take another wife as mr wood coolly expresses it but withal i strongly doubt the fact of daniel james infidelity for there is now before me a letter from himself to mary dated in april eighteen hundred and thirty couched in strong terms of conjugal affection expressing his anxiety for her speedy return and stating that he had lately received a grace a token of religious advancement in the moravian church a circumstance altogether incredible if the man were living in open adultery as mr wood's assertion implies eight mary he says endeavoured to injure the character of his family by infamous falsehoods which were embodied in a petition to the house of commons and would have been presented had not his friends from antigua the hon mr byam and dr cool disproved her assertions i can say something on this point from my own knowledge mary's petition contained simply a brief statement of her case and among other things mentioned the treatment she had received from mr and mrs wood now the principal facts are corroborated by other evidence and mr wood must bring forward very different testimony from that of dr cool before well-informed persons will give credit to his contradiction the value of that person's evidence in such cases will be noticed presently of the hon mr byam i know nothing and shall only at present remark that it is not likely to redound greatly to his credit to appear in such company furthermore mary's petition was presented as mr wood ought to know though it was not discussed nor his conduct exposed as it ought to have been nine he speaks of the liability he should incur under the consolidated slave law of dealing with a free person as a slave is not this pretext hypocritical in the extreme what liability could he possibly incur by voluntarily resigning the power conferred on him by an iniquitous colonial law of reimposing the shackles of slavery on the bondwoman from whose limbs they had fallen when she touched the free soil of england there exists no liability from which he might not have been easily secured or for which he would not have been fully compensated he adds in a postscript that mary had a considerable sum of money with her from thirty-six to forty pounds at least which she had saved in his service the fact is that she had at one time one hundred and thirteen dollars in cash but only a very small portion of that sum appears to have been brought by her to england the rest having been partly advanced as she states to assist her husband and partly lost by being lodged in unfaithful custody finally mr wood repeats twice that it will afford him great pleasure to state for the governor's satisfaction if required such particulars of the woman molly upon incontestable evidence as he is sure will acquit him in his excellency's opinion of acting unkind or ungenerous towards her this is well 
and i now call upon mr wood to redeem his pledge to bring forward facts and proofs fully to elucidate the subject to reconcile if he can the extraordinary discrepancies which i have pointed out between his assertions and the actual facts and especially between his account of mary prince's character and his own conduct in regard to her he has now to produce such a statement as will acquit him not only in the opinion of sir patrick ross but of the british public and in this position he has spontaneously placed himself in attempting to destroy by his deliberate criminatory letter the poor woman's fair fame and reputation an attempt but for which the present publication would probably never have appeared here perhaps we might safely leave the case to the judgment of the public but as this negro woman's character not the less valuable to her because her condition is so humble has been so unscrupulously blackened by her late master a party so much interested and inclined to place her in the worst point of view it is incumbent on me as her advocate with the public to state such additional testimony in her behalf as i can fairly and conscientiously adduce End of section six.